This is the One About Retirement podcast with Rhett Wood and Mark Rose from Retirement Income Strategies. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. With many years of experience in the financial industry, Rhett and Mark provide their clients and prospects with the information they need regarding social security, retirement income planning, wealth management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful solutions to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. And now, here is the One About Retirement podcast with Rhett Wood and Mark Rose. Hello, and welcome back to the One About Retirement. My name is Mark Rose, and he's Rhett Wood, and we are from Retirement Income Strategies. If you'd like more information about what you hear during the show, give us a call at 405-703-3858, or visit us online at retirementincomeok.com. And while at our website, click on the media page to check out past shows and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. Rhett, good afternoon. How are you? Well, I'm doing really well. How about you, Mark? I'm doing all right. The the heat has shown up, and so it's hot outside. It is smoking hot out there and humid. Yep. But uh, maybe it won't be so hot where you're going soon. Uh, You know what the weather's like where you're going? That's true. It's uh, I'm I'm heading myself and my youngest daughter Avery are headed to the country of Ukraine next week. Now, so for people that you know maybe aren't up to date on geography, Mm -hmm. where's that at? It's a long ways away. (laughs) It is an eight hour. Um, time zone difference between here and Ukraine, but it's right on the southwest border of Russia. So earned the independence for the country in 1991. It's very popular because of the Chernobyl nuclear reactor explosion back in 1986. Now, I thought that was in Russia. That's in the Ukraine? That is Ukraine. Okay, I so, gotcha. Yes, which was part of the was Soviet Russia Union. Was Russia at that time? Yeah, I gotcha. part of the Soviet Union, but... Uh, it was in the country now that is called Ukraine, and yeah, not not a good situation. But we're going, and we'll be in the west side of the uh, country, and looking forward to it for about two and a half weeks. Do you know time. what the weather will be like there? Well, this will be my seventh trip, so yes, I do. I've, yeah. I've been there before. Good news is, it's of course everything is in Celsius. Mm. So when they say you know it's uh, twenty nine Celsius, I'm like, my conversion to Fahrenheit's not that good, but. <laughs> It feels good outside, so I'm going to say it's about 75. Okay. There, there's my uh, weather forecast. So usually it's about 10 to 15 degrees, degrees cooler than here. Well, so. cool. Be excited to hear about how the trip goes when you get yes, back. Yes, so. yes, thank you. We're excited to go over there and help out. So we're looking forward to our topic today as well. We're going to be talking about avoiding phone scams, and we're going to also talk about the mechanics of tariffs. Uh, both of these topics have been in the news lately. That's right. Now, while phone scams and tariffs don't have much in common, they both have the potential to create chaos for your finances. Now, with that in mind, we're going to first dive into the examination of some common phone scams. We'll be talking out of, about some scams highlighted in a recent Reader's Digest article, Watch Out! These 10 phone call scams could steal your money. Now, our goal is to give you information that can help you avoid falling into these type of scams. Phone scams are also an increasing problem. I mean, the robocalls and the things that you don't, you know, you get a phone call and you don't recognize the caller ID. Mm-hmm. Well, according to a September 2018 press release from FirstOrion.com, a company designed to provide transparency and communication, uh, nearly 50% of the U.S. mobile traffic will be scam calls in 2019. Wow. So this year, it's saying half of the phone calls we get on our cell phones are, are some type of scam or illegitimate 
reason why they're calling you. You know, I, I just being a millennial, I'd say my generation doesn't even like to talk on the a phone call uh, yes. in the first place. They just want to text. That's you know? true. <laughs> so. That is true. So arming yourself with knowledge about different types of phone scams could be very useful in helping keep your financial information safe. Not only are there a lot of scam phone calls, there's also many different types of phone scams. The first one mentioned in the Reader's Digest article is, can you hear me scam? And this mm -hmm. con is designed to record your voice saying the answer, yes. Uh, this recording can be used to claim that you've agreed to something that you didn't. One way to avoid this is to answer in a full sentence. Reader's Digest uh, suggests using, I can hear you just fine instead. Oh, so uh, if the call comes up and says, they ask you, can you hear me? When you're thinking they're just trying to see if, you know, they're speaking loud enough, what would you, what should you say? Well, uh, you should say, I can hear you just fine rather than yes. But, you know, that might be more difficult to do because I know I find myself, I live kind of out in the country and it seems like every other phone call, someone's saying, can you hear me? And I'm saying, mm -hmm. yes, I can hear you. Can you hear me? You know? Yep. But if it's a number we don't know and we decide to answer it, that's an interesting idea. Don't necessarily say yes. Use a different way. The next scam is especially prevalent during tax season. The caller will pretend to be an internal revenue service agent threatening legal action if you don't play if you don't pay a balance immediately. They may even ask you to confirm your personal information, which that's a scam. The IRS only uses official letterhead for communications. And as a matter of policy, they are not going to call you on the phone. Even if you feel the call might be legit, the suggestion is hang up and then call the IRS back directly and then explain who you are. If you do have an issue, the official phone number should connect you with the appropriate department at the IRS. So just to repeat, the IRS is not going to call you. They're going to send you some certified mail you know, in a letter format instead. But while the IRS won't call you, your bank might. So how do you know if these calls are legitimate? Perhaps your bank is calling to verify a recent transaction on your card. You can safely answer yes or no to these questions, but don't provide any additional information. If they ask for further details, hang up, flip your bank card over, and call the customer service number. If they can ver verify that the call is legitimate, then maybe you're in good shape. And I think that's a theme that we are seeing here is that don't answer necessarily the call that calls into you. You hang up and then find the legitimate number and call back into whichever company. And that way you're assuring, well, you kind of know who you're calling because it's on the back of your credit card or yeah. the IRS or who, whoever it is. That's a way to be able to ensure you're talking to the right people. Does your bank employ a secret password for you if you call in and ask for something? No, so, I see, feel left out. Dude, my bank, if I call up and say, would you please transfer X amount of dollars from my savings to my checking, for example, they'll say, sure, we can do that. You know, what's the password that you have? And I've got a password. And if I say the mm. password right there, I'm like, all right, well, we got that taken care of for you. Nice. And I think it's a neat feature because that way I can be assured that nobody's going to call up and say they're me and try to move money around or do something fishy. That's pretty smart. What's your, what's your password, Red? Yeah, but I, don't, I, don't, I can't tell you right now. Okay. So. Okay. We won't, we won't talk about that. <laughs> so when someone seems to know information about you, sometimes it seems more legitimate. So, you know. There's a, unfortunately, sometimes there's a ton of public information available on folks that if someone's doing their research and knowing where to look, they can get information about you. And so uh, that's part of the scam is that they sound like that they have legitimate information and, you know, where they know where you live or they know maybe some other things that are just on public record. So 
that tactic involves curiosity. Curiosity is hard to resist, and the, and the one ring scam plays into that. Your phone will ring, but it just rings once. Now, the scammers want you to call back out of curiosity so they can confirm that your number is working. Now, they may answer or they may call you back later and then flip the script by asking, well, why did you call them? Then in the confusion of now, what I didn't call you, you called me, but I'm calling you back, they then can try and get some more personal information from you, and that's one of the tricks they use because it's a scam. It's like reverse psychology. They just It is. They got you to call them. And I would imagine with some of our older population, sure, maybe there's a tendency to get confused already and that they use that the scammers use that in a way against them and so I feel like I'd be a problem. Definitely get more questions from uh, older clients mm. about the scams or feel like they might be more susceptible. But, you know, technology can be frustrating and confusing and it's ever changing. And scammers use those emotions to con you out of your data. In this next scam, you could receive a call from someone claiming to be from a major technology company. Like maybe they're saying that they're calling from Apple or Microsoft or Facebook or even your local Internet provider. And they may ask you if you've had your computer or phone problems recently and they will offer to fix the problem by having mm. you download a software or an app. And this malware will then slow down your computer or phone and potentially steal your sensitive information. If you have a problem that requires tech support, hang up and call the company directly. So kind of like we were saying earlier, you know, if you get a call like that, it's probably uh, better for you to contact the company yourself directly if you do have an issue. Yes. And one of the most disturbing phone scams involves a call claiming that, you know, they have a loved one held against their will. This could be a child or a grandchild. The scammers may even play on your emotions with dramatic acts like someone screaming in pain in the background or pleading for help. In these scenarios, it could be easy to let your emotions carry you away. Try to contact the loved one another way. So if, you know, that call comes in, well, see if you can text or somehow, you know, uh, find out if you can get in contact with that person another way. Gather as much information from the caller as possible. Maybe kind of turn it on them and try to get them to answer more and more questions. If they're willing to stay on the phone and help you confirm, a, you know, maybe they're asking for money, it's quite possible that they're a scammer and not just a kidnapper. Kidnappers rarely stay on the phone for very long. So if you're willing, if they're willing to hold while you get your wallet, probably is going to be a red flag. Yeah, now, that's they, a very sorry interrupted, but that's a very emotionally you know tough situation. But most of the time, I would imagine it's some type of scam. So do do your homework. You know that sounds like an especially horrible type of scam, and I can't imagine how terrifying it would be to get a call like that. And and hopefully, talking about these types of phone scams today, even though it will can be uncomfortable to talk about them, will help our listeners be prepared if someone tries to scam them in the future. And we have a few more phone scams that we're going to talk about. Preparing for retirement can be an important part of your financial process. Visit our website at retirementincomeok.com or call our office at 405-703-3858. We want to help you prepare for the retirement you've worked so hard for. You're listening to The One About Retirement. My name is Rhett Wood and he's Mark Rose and we're from Retirement Income Strategies. If you'd like more information about what you hear today during our show, give us a call at 405-703-3858 or visit us online at retirementincomeok.com. While you're at our website, you can click on the media page to check out our past shows. You can also subscribe to our show on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. 
Today, we're talking about some of the common phone scams that are highlighted in a recent Reader's Digest article that are that's entitled, Watch Out, These 10 Phone Scams Could Steal Your Money. Our goal is to give you some good information that can help you avoid falling for these types of scams. We've covered a few different types of scams during our first segment, and we have a few left to cover here in our second segment. So in the first segment, we mentioned several phone scams that can be seem very legitimate. Another type of scam the article mentioned is jury eligibility, you know. Getting a summons for jury duty is not always someone's favorite thing to do. So a target may receive a phone call that claims they're up for jury duty. The scammer will then ask them to confirm some personal information. And what they're trying to do is steal that sensitive information. And as we mentioned earlier, the best way to combat that attempt is just to hang up and then call the phone number associated with the official jury registration department or jury duty department, courthouse or Whatever that official number is, you call them. Now, don't ask the caller for a number to call them back. Don't, you know, if they're legitimate, you should be able to call them through the official number that you will be able to confirm. Exactly. The attempt is the same no matter what kind of the smokescreen or disguise a scammer is using. IRS, banks, jury duty, or even something else like winning a sweepstakes. Mm. Income, incoming calls asking for your personal information, especially things like your social security number or any kind of financial account information, should always be treated with caution. Yeah, a healthy dose of skepticism can be a valuable weapon against phone scams. And that brings us to the final phone scam we're going to be discussing today. As we mentioned before, scam artists will prey on confusion. They'll try scare tactics, and they will at times also take advantage of an individual's charitable nature. Scammers can impersonate charities, political parties, lobbyists, nonprofit organizations, or even alumni associations. They'll use your charitable nature against you and ask for donations over the phone. Now, while you may want to donate to any of those organizations or groups, it's appropriate to ask them to mail you more information or to hang up and once again, call the number directly for that organization. Now this can be hard for some people. It's not easy to be necessarily rude, but it's better to be rude or maybe feel like you were being rude than to put your financial data and accounts at risk. There are some resources to help you learn more about some charitable organizations. One third-party resource is charitynavigator.org, which rates organizations on factors like how much of each donation goes to the cause versus administrative costs. Uh, Charity Navigator's rating system examines two broad areas of a charity's performance, their financial health and their accountability and transparency. The ratings can help donors make informed decisions about where their money goes. Since 2001, they've rated more than 9,000 charities. You're listening to the one about retirement. Now we're going to talk about focusing on something that's been in the news a lot lately, tariffs. We're going to define what tariffs are. We're going to outline their history and then discuss how they affect consumers. Now today's reference is a magnifymoney.com article from August 2018 saying, what are tariffs anyway? Good question. What are tariffs anyway? So let's start by answering that question and define what tariffs are. Tariffs are taxes that the federal government slaps on products that are imported into the U.S. Tariffs are often a percentage of the value of the product that's being imported. So if it doesn't cost much, the tariff is low. A more expensive item, the tariff would be higher. We've certainly heard this word a lot in the past year when it comes to the potential trade wars across the globe. For example, let's say that a tariff on a microwave is 25% and a foreign company prices that microwave at $100. Due to the tariff, an American company buying that microwave would have to pay an additional $25. This would bring the total cost of the microwave to $125. 
the importer often passes the increased expense onto the consumer who purchases the microwave. The extra $25 doesn't go to the foreign company selling the microwave. Tariff proceeds go to the U.S. Department of the Treasury. The tariff percentage can potentially impact the cost of goods being taxed, but tariffs are not a new concept. According to a Smithsonian.com article entitled A History of America's Ever-Shifting Stance on Tariffs, tariffs aren't a new concept. In fact, they go all the way back to the 1760s. Great Britain charged heavy import duties that increased prices on many desirable goods like glass, lead, paper, and even tea. The famous Boston Tea Party was partly in response to those higher prices. After the American Revolution, tariffs were a major source of revenue for the new American government. Remember, there wasn't a federal income tax until 1913. Tariffs also had a hand in the Great Depression. Many economists believe that Herbert Hoover's protectionist move, the Smoot-Hawley Act in June 1930, did more harm than good. It was supposed to help the economy recover from the stock market crash of 1929, but it may have made things even worse. Production booms during World War II and the Cold War led the country to enact fewer tariffs and to focus on aligning with the free trade philosophy. This philosophy eventually led to the establishment of the World Trade Organization in 1995. So tariffs have been around for a long time, but it feels like they're relatively new. Since the 2016 election, tariffs have been making a comeback. They've been used as a foreign policy tool as much as they've been used as an economic tool. Tariffs as high as 25% have been levied against imports from China, Canada, the European Union, South Korea, Brazil, Argentina, and even more. This can also affect exports from the United States. Countries often react to new tariffs by imposing their own on products coming from the United States. Now that we know what tariffs are and a little bit about what their history is, let's look at how tariffs can affect consumers. According to the MagnifyMoney.com article we mentioned earlier, consumers generally end up paying half to two-thirds of the tariff cost. The rest of the tariff is absorbed by foreign exporters or the U.S. company importing the product. With higher-end specialized products, the entire cost is sometimes passed on to the consumer. Another factor with highly specialized products is that a company might have no choice but to pay a tariff because they can't find the product anywhere else. They then pass that extra expense on to their customers. With lower end products, like things like maybe you think of an, a t-shirt, there's a lot of competition from other countries, so foreign companies often lower their costs to offset tariffs. That means on the lower end, highly competitive goods, consumers typically don't experience additional tariff costs. Tariffs have long been a part of the American economy. Currently, it seems the era of few tariffs and robust free trade is ending. Tariffs will likely continue to, to dominate the news as governments increasingly use them as an economic tool and a foreign policy tool. Well, the time has flown by, and now it's uh, the end of this week's show. Visit our website at retirementincomeok.com to find out how to receive your retirement income toolkit or call our office at 405-703-3858, and we can send you your free copy of that. At Retirement Income Strategies, we provide information that can help you make sound financial decisions and build your retirement on a solid foundation. Join us again for another episode of The One About Retirement. Take care, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the One About Retirement podcast. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound income plan. For more information, please contact Rhett Wood or Mark Rose at Retirement Income Strategies. Call 405-703-3858 or visit them online at retirementincomeok.com.
Brett Wood and Mark Rosen Retirement Income Strategies, Inc. are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency. All matters discussed during this show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation.